Hey guys, we're back with another podcast episode on comparing party systems and how they affect the political environment in that country. Today we are going to discuss Mexico. So first, getting right into it, Mexico has a multi-party system. The main parties in Mexican politics right now are the PRI, PAN, and Morena parties. Before we discuss the impact that these parties have had, and currently have in the civil society and political environment in Mexico, we are going to briefly give the history and ideology of all three parties. So first up is the PRI. The PRI stands for Partido Revolucionario Institucional. This party held the majority of its power and the majority of the support of the Mexican citizens from when it was founded in 1929 until the early 2000s-ish. This party was founded by a former Mexican president during a time in history where its followers were in conflict with the Roman Catholic Church, were experiencing rebellion in their, were experiencing rebellion in their military and disputes with the U.S. So as a result of the coalition that was formed between the would-be PRI followers, um, this party came to represent the new power structure that came out of the Mexican Revolution, which was from 1910 to 1920. This new party establishment was seeking more stability in government along with a more conservative and traditional evolution of government and society. Out of this came a party state system and most of the power in the party was held by a committee called the Central Executive Committee. The head of this committee was chosen by the Mexican president. This person was responsible for approving party nominees for all important electable positions in Mexican politics besides the president. This committee also assumed the role of mediator between state and national officials and the groups in the party. The PRI changed the party from being held in many loose political military um, coalitions that were less institutionalized and legitimate to being held by a more established party unit. Um, and then this party, you, these units were divided up in the state And then this brought more representation to members of the sectors of the party who were peasants, union work, uh, urbanized union workers, as well as members of the Mexican military. A noteworthy figure of this time was President Lazaro Cardenas. He was the Mexican president from 1934 to 1940, who who furthered the authority of the peasant wing of the PRI. He was balanced... He balanced out the influence held by the sectors in the party and also led major reforms within the party, such as disbanding the military wing, establishing a large patronage system that gave benefits for political support, and he introduced land reforms while nationalizing the oil industry. So this kind of brings in another side of the PRI. Um, Although they tended to and hopefully preferred a base of support from people's free will, they sometimes would use repression um, of critics and, as these critics say, electoral fraud. So we're going to discuss just some things that the PRI has done that may not be of the most um, democratic origins. For example, in the 1970s, they suppressed student protests. They, in, in these protests, they killed and injured many. So another thing they did was, um, or they were accused of, was rigging elections in the 1980s and 1990s. And these um, rigged elections that they were accused of 
actually helped another party later, the PAN, come into powder, power, but we'll discuss that later. Um, and what we're gonna um, go over is how does this affect the political environment and, and civil society in Mexico? Um, what so, do you think, Nicole? I clearly like the obvious thing is that it's a clear repression of civil society in Mexican politics. Um, because at that point, you are, like, you're participating politically, but clearly it's not heard. So what's the point at that point? Yes, I think, I agree. And I think that this can kind of uh, relate to Russia, Russian and China's um, civil society in that it strays from their democratic views um, in their constitution. Yeah, I think that, um, so during this period of time, the PRI is somewhat comparable to the CCP in China and United Russia because they are the sole, in China, the CCP is the sole political party, you know, ruling over. There's no really other party in, um, like, that's challenging it. In Russia, also, it's almost even more similar because there's United Russia, um, but there's also competing parties that, like, give just enough challenge to United Russia, um, to, like, kind of offset total control, but they still maintain it based on, like, policies that they implement because they still have control, which is kind of like the PRI at this point in time, because although there are opposing parties, the PRI just has total control. All right, so moving on. Eventually, in the later 1970s, the PRI was finally challenged when opposing parties won, won a few seats in the Chamber of Deputies. Although they stayed in power, this showed the shifting views of, of the public. Eventually, after many attempted reforms in education and agriculture, along with the economy and a gradually narrowing margin of success, the 2000 election of a pan party president usurped the total PRI power. So to finish out the current PRI history, the party made a brief comeback to power with the 2012 election of Peña Nieto, but by the end of his presidency, his approval ratings had plummeted and the PRI has now fallen to a distant third in the rankings of the power struggle between the three largest current parties. So next, the PAN which is an acronym for the Partido Acción Nacional. It has close ties to the Roman Catholic Church and is generally in favor of less government intervention in the economy. Simply put, the PAN basically formed as a counterpart um, to the widely endorsed PRI at the time. The PAN sought to bring awareness to other interests that may have been suppressed, such as business and urban middle class. The PAN was founded in 1939, but most, mostly existed in the shadow of the huge PRI. However, the PAN began to capitalize in the accusations against the PRI regarding election fraud in the 1980s as a result of the delegitimization of the party from the exposure from the fraud. The PAN was finally able to start winning. Gradually, they started to gain more followers and above and achieve favorable election results. The PAN won their very first presidential election in 2000 due to public dissatisfaction with the PRI over the economy and general corruption. 
However, it's important to note that um, the PAN did face some um, opposition because they, for a time, um, endorsed the PRI view on the economy, and they were viewed as just kind of falling in line with them, which is actually what they were formed to uh, like go against. So the PAN won again in 2006, but in 2012, they were beaten by the PRI. After Peña Nieto, though, the tables turned once again, and in 2018, the power shifted to Morena, which is a new political party that came to power in Mexico. So before we start to cover Morena, though, we are going to discuss the similarities and differences between the PRI and PAN ideologies. So the PRI is typically seen as more leftist. Um, early, co- early support from um, loose coalitions between local party political bosses and military groups, labor unions, and peasant organizations is how the PRI came to be. Um, whereas the PAN, the PAN, is more right leaning and conservative. So. The PAN is um, for less government intervention in the economy. They derive their early support mostly from the Roman Catholic Church, business sector, and other groups that had not been well represented by the PRI. So they also derive strong support from the wealthier districts and more urbanized districts, and they supported more privatization of land. And recently, their claim to fame has been... um, exploiting the corruption that the PRI has been allowing to occur and cycle. So they're stressing the importance of issues such as corruption of government and the need for additional electoral reform. Its main handicap, though, is its lack of appeal to urban labor and peasant groups, which the PRI has a pretty strong handle on because these groups are um, like in poverty and they don't have the basic healthcare, job stability, housing, education things, and the PRI is offering them those benefits in exchange for their political support. Um, and to add on to this, the PRI, with their cracking down on the corruption, it has led to more violence um, with the drug cartels because they are getting more um, sought out and therefore they're struggling. So the drug cartels are expanding into new areas in order to escape from the Mexican um, government. So this can also delegitimize the PRI because it it, uh, doesn't satisfy the citizens. In addition to that, um, it's bad for the economy because when the drug cartels move in, research has shown that um, like production in these like Mexican urban sectors uh, actually goes down because people are not like doing their jobs they're either working for the cartel or they're moving to get away from the cartels and that just overall decreases the economic production which is taking money out of the Mexican citizens pockets and then it's not fueling the economy in other ways that it needs to grow so that's its own issue but the last Mexican political party we will be covering before we begin to discuss how these parties affect the political environment and whatnot is the newest Mexican political party, Morena. Um, so the movement of the National Regeneration, which is what Morena stands for in English, um, was created recently. It serves as it served as a, pol- a presidential campaign 
for AMLO, which is Mexico's current president. He won in 2018. Um, the party has adopted a nationalist, democratic, and neoliberal program emphasizing market competition. Little distinguishes it from the party of the democratic revolution, which is uh, sort of seen as an um the Morena party is sort of seen as an offspring of this. Um, the new party's program has a fundamentally neoliberal um, view, which is best uh, social character as can be seen of its position in on the economy. So now we're gonna dis- once now that we've like laid out all the political parties, we're gonna discuss the um, Mexican political environment in general and how this affects like its citizens and their political participation and civil society. So the first thing we're going to address here is the corruption in Mexican government and the corruption runs rampant right now because they have the citizens of Mexico have other worries such as job stability, safety from cartels, healthcare, housing, education, and whatnot, just basic needs that are not being met. Um... So, they're more focused on things like the roof over their head, food on the table, etc., rather than um, combating the corruption. And so, it's just a cycle right now. Um, as well as the people that are thinking about uh, the government and how Mexico can get away from this co- constant cycle, um, they, are, they have lost hope and are at a loss at how badly Mexico's economy and how badly the rest of the city of its citizens who are living in poverty is right like they're living there and they're not seeing the huge drop-off of the quality of life that they're experiencing compared to um like our experience here in Barrington like we're looking at their um conditions and it's clear to us that they're lacking like the protests and like the combating of the corruption but to them like that's just that's just not something they're worried about they can't afford to you know put their energy there when they might not you know have a roof over their head right now especially because a person that might be fighting against this corruption will will receive backlash from a drug cartel who doesn't have to follow the rules and this could risk their lives so exactly and like we talked about earlier parties like the PRI have continued to use corruption as a vehicle to implement their policies which creates a cycle of corruption which I previously said but just to dig a little deeper on that they are claiming to be the only party that is going to give these poor groups of people the things that they need, such as, you know, the basic needs. And these benefits that they're getting from the PRI, they they can't, like, look that gift horse in the mouth when they're not going to get it elsewhere. There is, like, no outlet for them to reach out to. So since they're getting these benefits from the party in turn for their political support it just does not make sense for them to say no when they need the things that are being provided to them and um kind of closing this off uh the more 
violent the more well during these elections and when these political parties are shifting there is more violence due to election fraud and um the drug the drug cartels um trying to create new alliances so that they can stay in power so similar to, this is sort of similar to nigeria we're going to relate that here um with the violence due to corruption surrounding election fraud because in nigeria there's been an uptick in terrorism um there's is um more due to like cross-cutting cleavages which there are in mexico but much 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 more prominent in nigeria um especially between the north and the south which is similar to mexico actually um but they're seeing the violence as a result of the opposing cleavages and the elections not being independent from the candidates and their parties uh so this is similar to mexico in the way that it is provoking violence right um well guys i'm sorry to say but this is the last country that we will cover in terms of this topic and its effects. We hope we've given you some extra information that will be useful for you to, u- to utilize during your AP tests and that helped you do your best. Don't worry though, this isn't the final goodbye yet. You can't get rid of us. So see you next episode. Bye.